you don't even want to think about how far you are from things, at least for me, you know, mentally, I didn't want to think about that. From Wyoming Public Media, this is Human Nature, real stories where humans and our habitat meet. I'm Caroline Ballard. In this episode, we'll hear about a family who traded life on dry land for a life at sea, where they encountered some unexpected company. For years, ever since he was in college, Daryl Massaro dreamt about sailing around the world. Luckily, it was a dream his wife Jennifer supported. Finally, we got to a point. I said, you know, Jen, I can't keep just talking about this as something we'll do someday. You know, we got to put a stake in the ground and and make this happen. So we all agreed that five years from now, we were going to shove off. And then uh, as that five-year mark approached, even though we didn't feel ready to go, we said, well, we can't learn anything more about sailing around the world other than just going and doing it now. So when Daryl says we agreed, he actually had us sign a contract that says in five years from now, we will depart to go sailing around the world. And I had to sign it. And actually, he had Dante sign it, too, who was, I I think he was five years old at the time. Yeah. So with my family (laughs) pressed into service, we all came together as a team. Yeah, we were Shanghai, basically, (laughs) because I was really scared to do it. I mean, I was petrified, but I guess I loved Daryl more than I was scared. Which is good for me. Yeah. So, the Massaros, Daryl, Jennifer, and their son, Dante, put their lives on land on hold to spend two years living on a 40-foot sailboat named Benevento. It's tight quarters in there. You have a forward berth that sleeps two people. And then you have the sette area, which is, you know, kind of your living room, if you will, with a table there that can also drop down to sleep two more people. And uh, you have your galley, and that's the, the kitchen. And then you have your head which is the bathroom, and there's a small toilet in there and and a little uh, shower. And then you have what's called the quarter berth, which is uh, all the way in the aft of the boat, all the way in the back, and that's where Dante would tuck in and would sleep. There's a saying that sailing is long lapses of boredom punctuated by moments of terror. (laughs) One thing that you um, appreciate are moments where you're on a long passage and going, you know, five miles an hour, and you know it's going to take days to get from one place to the next, and you think to yourself, if I were driving, it would take me like two hours to go this distance. But it gives you time to think. And sometimes that's all you want to do because you don't feel very good. Um, and we did get seasick. So I can't remember where we were, but it was in semi-rough conditions, actually decently rough conditions, and I was feeling really seasick, and I um, threw up over the side, but my parents didn't think I was going to throw up. They're like, ah, you'll be fine. Don't worry about it. And then a wave comes, hits the side of the boat, and splashes and soaks me, and neither of them get wet. And so I was all frustrated there, and I was like, ah, this trip sucks. I hate this. Um, but it was mainly like the rough weather that, yeah, that was I was... That was the wave washing you off after throwing up. That was kind. I mean, it kind of got most of the stuff off the side of the boat. <laughs> Dante was 10 when the family set sail from San Francisco in 2013. From California, the Massaro sailed through the Panama Canal, onto the Caribbean, and up the East Coast. They took their time, hugging the shore, visiting other boats, and making new friends. And living at sea brought them closer to the natural world. When you are on a boat, 
your whole life is by the weather. And you're exposed to it uh, much of the time as well. And you're constantly thinking about it. I used to live by the barometer and the stages of the moon. You're just more in tune with what's going on around you because that's the world you live in. It's, it's mostly outside. When we would go on overnight passages, we'd be thinking to ourselves, all right, well, what stage is the moon going to be at? Because when you have a full moon, you have a lot more visibility at night. You could see a lot farther. And sometimes it's just very magical watching the moonlight, you know, reflect on the water. And it's safer, really. But on the other hand, when it's a new moon, you can see some amazing stars. Daryl's dream was to sail around the world which meant it was time to leave land behind and cross the Atlantic Ocean. For the first time, their boat would be alone on the open ocean for weeks. Someone was always on watch. And we didn't have crew, so it was just Daryl and I on watch. We were three hours on, three hours off. And um, in crossing an ocean, I think we saw during Atlantic crossing, the first leg of it anyway, maybe two boats visually. And so that enabled us to actually be down below watching the radar and then going up above every 15 minutes or so and taking a 360-degree view, visual, and then coming back down below versus being in the cockpit, you know, on watch. So that was a little bit luxurious in, in that sense. And so I was on watch one night, and I start to hear this noise. It's nighttime. And we were hearing these strange noises. Let's listen. You get to really know the sounds of your boat when you're living on it. You know the creaks it makes. You know the sounds it makes in different weather situations. You know the sound of water sloshing across the hull. You know the creak of the rigging. You know the flap of the sails. But this was a different sound. It was like a high-pitched squeaking. And I'd never heard anything like that before. So I'm wondering what that is. It just, my ear picks it up amongst all the other sounds that are familiar. I'm listening to it. It's maybe three or four in the morning. Hear that? And I don't know what it is. So I wake Daryl up. And I did not wake Daryl up very often, maybe three or four times on the whole trip when I was on night watch. He's dead asleep. And he wakes up, what, what's going on, what's going on? I say, I, I hear this noise, I don't know what it is. And the thing about a boat, too, it's funny, is it, it telegraphs sounds really well. So you're hearing this, it's like underwater echo sonar, and you're hearing it just vibrate through your boat, and you can hear it very clearly. He's trying to wake up, figure it out. Meanwhile, Dante has woken up. I remember Mom coming down to uh, warn Dad, or to ask him, like, to come up and see what was going on. When Mom said there was this kind of sound, I was a little nervous, and then I started to hear the sounds too. So I went out to investigate. And then I go up above just so I can, I don't know, get a sense of something, and I hear this. I'm like, all right, that those are dolphins. I mean, I think it's dolphins, but it's totally pitch black. It was a new moon. I can't see anything. I just hear these noises, and um. And then we think, okay, well, maybe it's dolphins. I think we hear this, you know, the sound of the cetacean blowholes. <laughs> and Daryl's like, well, you know, I, you know, are you sure it's this? He's trying to figure out what it is. And then Dante's like, what if they're trying to warn us against something? Like, lassie, you know? <laughs> like The first thought that popped into my head was they could be warning us about something, maybe like a bank or a, um, 
shipping container. You know, as soon as Dante said that and kind of a little bit groggy, it's like, yeah, they, I, I've heard about them warning you about reefs and things of that nature. And I thought I'd missed something uh, on the chart. And I was kind of feeling a little bit uh, angry at myself. What could I have missed? Because we had the course already plotted all the way across. Is there a bank nearby? He's looking at the charts. What's going on? You know, we have no idea what this is because it's so pitch black, we can only guess. Dante's looking up in his, uh, his sea life book about anything about dolphins. I have this um, ocean book that we got before the trip, and it was my favorite book on the trip. I used to like look in it every day. I remember seeing something in there about like a dolphin helping someone to shore. So I went to that part and I was like looking, what could these dolphins be warning us about in the middle of the Atlantic? What's going on? And mind you, we'd been visited by hundreds of dolphins in the past, usually during the day and usually common dolphins or bottlenose. And what would happen is you would see them from a ways out. They're all converging on your boat and you'd be like, all right, come on, let's let's see it. And they come up to you and they'd be surfing the bow, but then they would be off, right? It would last maybe 15 minutes. This kept going on, you know, sort of like this moment of, you know, terror. What is this? This panic just sort of settled down, just kept going on. Nothing terrible seemed to be happening. Couldn't find a bank on the charts. So far as we know, everything is okay. So we're pretty sure it's, uh, it's dolphins. And then uh, daybreak comes And then we go up and we see like 50 dolphins surrounding the boat. Not any dolphins that we'd seen before. They were bigger. Like you could tell the difference between these big male ones and medium-sized, you know, female and these little baby ones all surrounding the boat until maybe 10 o'clock the next morning. We later learned they were Rizzo's dolphins, and they're known for accompanying ships on long passages. Rizzo's dolphins are the largest type of dolphin. They live mostly in deep ocean waters, and they're one of the most enigmatic cetaceans. Not much is known about them compared to other types of dolphins, whales, and porpoises. And they look different from the more familiar bottlenose dolphin and the common dolphin, species that have pointy beaks. Rizzo's dolphins have a blunt head with no beak. It was really cool because it was like having company. You know, you're out there in in the middle of the ocean. And I remember even, um, you don't even want to think about how far you are from things, at least for me, you know, mentally, I didn't want to think about that. And there were some times out there where there was no wind at all for a couple days. And you could clearly see the curvature of the Earth out there. There's no waves disturbing it. And it really felt like you could have been on the moon or you could have been somewhere else. It was just so quiet and so isolated and you felt so small. We have a chart plotter where you can zoom out or zoom in, right? On most of our trip, you could zoom out to a reasonable distance and see some sort of land. But at the Atlantic crossing, I remember the last piece of land you could see was Sable Island, and then there's nothing. And you have to zoom out, zoom out, zoom, zoom, out, 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 pressing the button until you see land. And I'm like, that's just too freaky. (laughs) So I would zoom in to like 150 miles radius so that I could pretend that there was land sort of out there. So having dolphins accompany you in the middle of the ocean when you haven't seen anything but each other for days, that was pretty cool.
later that day, there were some common dolphins that found us there in the middle of the ocean, too, and then surfed our bow. You know, typical of common dolphins, they did it for maybe 15 minutes, if that, and then took off again. We're so slow for them. September 29, 2014. Second dolphin school that we've seen today. There's been a lot of them. First we saw Rizzo's dolphins, and they, you can hear them all through the night. Now we got the common dolphins, such fast creatures. They're doing more tricks than the Rizzo's dolphins. The Massaros traveled 25,000 miles in the sailboat, and Dante celebrated his 11th birthday in the mid-Atlantic. After the crossing, the family spent a year sailing the Mediterranean together, before Jennifer and Dante flew back to the U.S. Darold followed, sailing Benevento to Florida, where she was loaded onto a truck and driven back to San Francisco. You know, when we started planning for it, we didn't even have a boat when Darold started planning. He didn't even know anything about how to do this. To read books and figure out how to take a trip like this and take your family on a trip like this, it's, if it weren't for Daryl, the trip would not have happened. And to me, he's like, he's like a handsome MacGyver. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty good after uh, 18 oh, yeah, years of marriage. <laughs> <laughs> and two years living on a boat. Yeah. <laughs> Our storytellers were Jennifer, Daryl, and Dante Massaro. Their ship's log is at easethemain.com, where you can also see a video of Jennifer and Daryl's TEDx talk. And for a video of dolphins riding the boat's bow, head to our website, humannaturepodcast.org. Thanks to KQED in San Francisco for helping record this episode. I'm Caroline Ballard. Our producers are Aaron Jones, Annie Osborne, and Alana Elder. Anna Rader is our digital producer, and our senior producer is Micah Schweitzer. The theme song is by Caught a Ghost. Human Nature is a production of Wyoming Public Media. It's human nature.